This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. Damn right, and I'll do it again. Cause yeah. I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I'll break who you send me. You motherfuckers never want to know what your life saved. That's on a light day, I'm getting down. Yeah, nothing gets the show going like DMX. <laughs> X going to give it to you. The Bound Show is going to give it to you this morning. What a huge weekend of sport. It was, uh, wow, in every single aspect known to man, really. I'm sure there was hockey and netball somewhere in the world. Uh, I didn't get to it, but rugby, cricket, golf, football, uh, Formula One, tennis, so much tennis. Uh, we really have a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, of course, as you would expect, July is like a really good time for sport because obviously it's the Southern Hemisphere, sorry, Northern Hemisphere summer. So, so much on the go. There's so much to look forward to, so much to preview, so much to get to. So you're at the right place. Welcome to the Bounce Show with me, Ben Karpinski. And as it is the first Monday of the month, Dan from Conquer Sports is here. Morning, Dan. Good morning. How's it going? You're all on, huh? Yep. Yeah. Hello. Hello. One, two. Hello. One, two. One, two. Wait, let's try that one. Hello. Oh, here yes. we go. Good morning. How's right, it? Right, Dan's here. Mike, too. That's you. How's it going? Cool, Dan. Well, um, yeah, so what we're going to do, uh, obviously, with with different tournaments coming into focus and various other things, we um, we are making your your feature once a month now. It's sort of give you a little bit more time as well, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, because i got to say, like, um, it must be quite difficult. You write so much good stuff, right? I mean, like deep down, you know this. You, want to, you don't have to admit it now. It's fine. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, I, I do believe your stuff is getting better because your topics are amazing, Thank and the you way you're much. unpacking stuff is so good. Thank I mean, you. I'm I, I I like everything that you you throw out there because I use Twitter as my index, right? So every time you write an article, and you you even rehash some pretty good old ones, you throw them out again because they are still relevant. Right. Yeah. We try and keep them um, open. You know, it's it's the, these are these are topics that. While the what we sent to them around might be time bound, the, the topics are, are kind of timeless. Completely. So I have this like this log of your article which I read from time to time. I must say it Cheers, does a you. hell of a lot to my sporting intake. So if you do follow me on Twitter, which I really hope you do at this stage of the game, at follow the bounce, you'll see I retweet quite a lot of the stuff. Not because um, I feel it's my obligations, because I retweet things that I believe are out there in sports that you need to see as well. And uh, if someone's saying something better than I am, well, I'll rather have them say it than me try plagiarize or try half half hobber a sort of good idea. So Dan's going to be with us for well next for the next four treatments or so. Um, if you haven't got onto his work just yet, got to go onto Conquer Sports C O N Q A Sport dot com. That's right. right. And that's every week there's something amazing to read. And of course, Dan is the man behind this. Dan, what are we looking at this week? Because we haven't, we haven't had you on the show for quite a while now. The mounting topics around the world. Right. right. So much to get into. So our, our latest article, um, I interviewed a, the former chief negotiator, um, of the FBI, the man who was the chief negotiator during the Waco siege, as well as the Lucasville pr- prison riots. I mean, this guy is, this guy has seen some stuff, but, uh, what I spoke to him about is how, Sports could learn about conflict resolution from the FBI, but uh, that you know that, that was that was quite an interesting take from a, a, a great guy named Gary Newsner. But the article I'd like to talk about with you, if if you're keen, is the one from the previous week about um, how do coaches successfully transition uh, a sports team. And I, I interviewed Stuart Lancaster 
Um, okay, Stuart Lancaster was the guy who couldn't quite get it right for England. He left, and England are amazing. Right, right, right. And uh, he sure was nicer ways of describing it, but yeah, right. So he got the sack after you know England get, got knocked out of their own World Cup, and as you say, he passed passed the team on to Eddie Jones, who's now made England the greatest sports team in the world. If you'll believe the English press. Well, yeah, but look, if you're second, if you're the second best rugby team in the world, you are actually the greatest because New Zealand are on a different planet. Right, exactly. Sure. So, so I, I chatted to Stuart who, who's still, to be honest, you know, understandably quite, quite miffed about the whole situation, about the way he got sacked and how he feels that a lot of the players that are, that are thriving now, you know, really, really, he gave them their first opportunity. So, we just kind of spoke about, you know, how how when he did get the sack and it was confirmed that Eddie Jones was going to replace him, Stuart phoned Eddie up and, and said, listen, do you want to share notes? And I just thought that was an incredible show of, of maturity and selflessness from from a coach who must be, you know, who was hurting. But he kind of put the team ahead of himself and, and phoned up the guy who took his job and and shared notes and and you know sports is so multifaceted and and, and its success is has so many variables but i think it's it's quite uh, quite telling that england are doing so well with this a lot of the same players and i wonder how much of that has to do with with lancaster sharing those notes well I, look i think it's got a huge deal if you look at the england team obviously they've got probably the most resources in the world when it comes to rugby union mm-hmm. right i mean they've got the most players to choose from essentially professional players they've definitely got the funds um, the fact that they play all their tests at Twickenham means preparation and they can analyze things a certain way. Um, like they've got a lot going for them. Okay. Mm. But they didn't have the success. So like when, when you're doing all of this and then you go away from the job, starting from scratch is just stupid. It's right. just completely stupid. So obviously first world maturity, you've got to, like if you're Eddie Jones, the first person you think you've got to talk to is Stuart Lancaster. Right. But I mean, how many, how many sack coaches? I mean, do you think Van Gaal is, is phoning up uh, Mourinho now? I mean, like. Who? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, Marina doesn't, doesn't care about what no, no. got going. So, so I mean, as you say, exactly. So, so credit to Jones then for also wanting to sit down with with yeah. with Lancaster. But I mean, I, I just I can't think of any situation in in the history of sport where where there's so you know the egos are so big and and you know getting sacked is is so public and so humiliating. I can't think of a of a situation where one coach who just got the sack would would chat to the guy replacing him. Yeah, I didn't see too many headlines about Hanni Kamea and Alice Garcia sitting down. <laughs> no, can't, can't and, imagine uh, that happening. And having lengthy chats. Right, exactly. And and wouldn't it be great if, if we lived in a world where where that was just the norm, where, where a sack coach sat down with the guy replacing him, gave him his notes, and, and basically helped him out? Well, it actually makes sense that in, in your clause, there's a leaving thing, you must meet with a new coach. Right, so I mean... It wouldn't be a bad idea. Right, so then it's up to the federations and, and, and the boards of these teams to kind of facilitate that i mean you you know if the guy doesn't want to do it if he if he really feels like you know screw this i'm i'm, I'm not going to help these guys then you can understand it but if there was a way to to mediate and i suppose that's maybe where the the latest article could could feature is where if, if you could get two people to sit down and negotiate and and come to to an amicable conclusion where that is beneficial for the team then i mean all all the better for it and as you said that we can't credit england's success on one variable but this one can't be ignored i don't think well, look, Eddie Jones essentially is just bringing to fruition what was started. Just that's, you know, like if you look at the lifespan of very successful teams, it's not just a one season wonder. I mean, look at the mm. Lions. The Lions are good now because they worked bloody hard four years ago, right? Sure, sure. So you can't analyze them on that. So Stuart Lancaster put a lot of good things in, in play, which Eddie Jones was able to look at with a fresh eye and go, that, 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 change it up a bit, and then we're good. Right. 
so I mean, but what else did he have to say about the whole like? Um, did he feel that there was barriers to his success while he was the England coach? Yeah, look, he he. Uh, chatting, chatting to him, I chatted to him over Skype, and, and you you could you could kind of like see the pain on his face. I mean, it was still quite fresh, and and you know, sport is such an unforgiving you know entity where as as Jones succeeds more, Lancaster's failure is is just it's, it's just amplified. amplified. Yeah. So he he. He's obviously still an England rugby fan, so he he was thrilled with with the way the team was doing. But you could really see that it was that was painful to speak about this current regime in a positive light, especially that the last one they they weren't they weren't terrible. They they never won um, the Six Nations, but they came second every time, second to a good um, Ireland and Wales team. Yeah. And if it wasn't for a poor second half against Wales in the World Cup, they probably would have gone through to the next round, maybe then got got a tough team or or an easy team. Who knows? scraped to the semi-final and then it wouldn't have been so bad but because they were placed in such a difficult group they they crashed out early and and, and it was amplified so yeah he he was it was it was definitely one of the most interesting um interviews i've ever done because it was a guy who was so torn between wanting the success and, and being thrilled about it but also feeling really upset that i got the impression that if he he felt that if if, if he was still in charge he would be doing as well as, as as Jones is now. It's a strange thing you mentioned, though, because when you look at these things, you think, oh, well, you should always win. Like, you look at successful coaches. They don't make excuses. They just hold up trophies. Yeah, that's cool. Right. But you look at the, the nearly men. Like, I know at the moment there's a lot of talk about Russell Domingo, okay? I don't want to derail your conversation too much here. But just sure. on, on, on that whole, they were in a tough group in the World Cup with England. If you look at Russell Domingo, right, he went to that World Cup in Australia New Zealand. And they were killing New Zealand, and then it rained. Rain and the Proteas, that's like water in gremlins, okay? Right, right. It's gonna, it's yeah. gonna just ruin everything. Yeah. Um, this tri-series now in the West Indies. Suddenly they got a head of steam out of nowhere, game got rained out, suddenly lost all momentum, went into the match, lost. Yeah. So, if you were to really look at, like, Russell Domingo, I know there's a lot of negative press around him, and once that, once you get labeled that, I think Lancaster also got it to a certain degree, once you get labeled that, nobody cares. Or you, you win or you actually just get lost. There's no yeah. in-between line. There's no sympathy. Like right now, Alistair Kutsir is still in a position where people will empathize or it'll be like that. So Domingo also has some valid exp- explanations here. Maybe why his team's not winning. Lost a lot of senior talent. But should we be really accepting that seeing as sport is such a professional thing and it's such a, a clinical thing nowadays? I mean, we've, we've spoken about Domingo before and I, I would love to see the back of him. And, and I think yeah. that, that, that SA cricket has kind of, I feel like they need to make a decision now with, with regards to the coach. I mean, we, I just saw that we play, in, we go to England in August, uh, for a four test series and we, we also play, it's the, I think the Champions Trophy, it's just, well, we, we go there slightly, we go prior to play three ODIs. That's right. warm up for the Champions Trophy, play Champions Trophy because in England. Yes. And then we play the rest of the series. Right. So, so we're there from like June, July, August. So, I mean, we, what are we in? So that's just over a year now. Do we sack a coach before such a, such a big tournament next year where, I mean, the Champions Trophy, I mean, if, if any team can win it, right? I mean, that, that's the nature of one day cricket now. So do we sack the coach now and, and start fresh or do we wait and give him that, that tournament and that four, four test series against England and say, if you fail there, then you're out? Well, b- between that, he's got Sri Lanka at home and New Zealand away. Right. So he's he still got all of this. You'd expect him, you'd, I mean, Sri Lanka, are, Watching them in England, their test side is junk, and, they, and their ODI side is not much better. So we should beat them. Yeah. We go to New Zealand. I mean, they've just lost a couple. They, McCullum's just retired, hasn't he? Yeah, so, they got some key players that lost. Right. So we should beat them. So, so then, if you get a new coach, 
do we not get him and and build some confidence with with a new guy momentum smash smash Lanka go and beat New Zealand and then we've got a head of steam or do we stick with Domingo win but but these victories just paper over the cracks and we don't really address the things that that have been troubling us then we go into the tournaments and we crash out again because we we, we choke or I mean, well, like, I, I just think that there's some bigger issues here, and this is a whole different discussion around the proteins. Yeah. I just think it's become this, like, brotherhood where everyone's just happy. Right. And everyone's got each other's back. And that's not, that's not real sport. I don't know a single sporting team. Maybe that's something to look into as well. I don't know a single sporting team out there that aren't, aren't accountable for, for what's going on. If, if this was, I wrote this thing last, last week, actually. If this was to be the Australian team going through this right now, you know that someone's going to get into punch up. Sure. You know there's going to be some, there's some <laughs> TV in the dressing room is going to get smashed to pieces. Right, right. Because right. they're real human beings, these guys, right? The, the Australians mean. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. they just, they, they just seem to, they just seem to care more. And I'm not saying, I mean, when you look at AB in a press conference, it's not that he doesn't care. You can see that, that he's, that he's hurt, but now, he, now he's playing in the, in the, in the Caribbean Premier League and, you know, it's just, I read an article, um, from Neil Manthorpe, um, yesterday, just, just chatting about how, I mean, Neil, Neil was, was quite sympathetic to these guys and saying, well, you know, it's good that they can go to the, to the big bash league and just forget about it and just swing their back. And if they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, these, these guys need to come back and, and be held accountable, as you said. And, exactly. and it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost like too easy for them to now go, to go to the Caribbean and play in this league. And if they win, they win. I mean, Faf just, just got a, a had a decent knock and his team won. I mean, he's captaining his side. And I just, th- I just think that all these distractions are distractions from, from what really matters. Okay. So just holding on to that point in there, going back to Stuart Lancaster to a certain degree. Okay. So you identify players that you want to have in this team and mm. then, um, you do various things with them. Now, as Eddie Jones has taken a bunch of players who weren't performing and now doing so well, and um, that's kind of the reference point I always go back to with this to prove the point, is it not the coach like Russell Domingo now to identify players that he knows he can work with for long term and he knows he can make a unit around? Because right now he keeps going on about, oh, you know, the player burnout, these guys are playing T20 all over the place, they come to me and they're screwed. Well, then surely he's man enough to say, you know what, Abby, whatever, whatever, we know we can't have you playing all these formats. Yeah. We know you are a career where you want some money. Right? Granted, I mean, this is a professional era. You can't ever say, you can't ever call someone a dick because they're chasing money. Mm. That's what we'd all do <clears throat> in their position, right? Sure. No one's going to go home and say, you know what? I'm going to keep this car for the next 10 years because I'm going to be a national cricketer. <laughs> Like, no, you gotta go buy another three, or whatever you want it is. Bad example. So, is it not like Domingo's role, as it was for Eddie Jones, look at the players and go, right, we're gonna get a tune out of these guys, and the other guys, well, if we have them, we have them, if we don't, we don't, we're not gonna cry about this. Are are you saying that, that Domingo can, kind of, enforces that that the guys that are con- well like kind of like the west indies do right is, isn't wouldn't that be the same and then look- west indies are a little bit stronger than that yeah so that i mean that's 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 the flip side of the coin if if that is enforced that that is a road you can go down and i, I think i think alienating our best players i mean say we didn't get ab say we didn't have uh amla we didn't have faf you know who who else i mean which of the bowlers say robado went away and we didn't get him we would just be we would just be a west indies a, one, a once great nation who couldn't agree with the board who prevented our best with an economy that we we couldn't keep our guys here we prevented our best players from playing for the national team because they chased money and and i just i i hear what you're saying and and i would love to see that happen because i would love to see our domestic cricket grow and i I think such a big problem with with our national team is 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 the how our domestic cricket has fallen by the wayside but yeah idealistically yes i'd I'd, I'd love to see that but i just don't think it can happen but with with england with england rugby because of their economy, because of their strong domestic structure, because of the 
the lack of i mean there's there's no such thing as the IPL or the or the or the Premier League you know they are the the dominant league they can keep their players so they can develop them close to home as you say they all play they play all the matches at Twickenham to answer your question yes I'd, I'd love to see that happen but I think if we do that we'll just become another West Indies yeah but in saying that we've got more player depth than the West Indies however crap our domestic cricket is we've got a lot more people playing our school system is pretty good we've still got academies I think CSA are doing a pretty good job on grassroots level to get people through various stages but now is it not like saying okay right it, is it a 60% superstar as good as a 100% up and comer because it's almost getting to that stage now what is JP Dubny really doing for the squad? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we can't have guys that are so burnt out. Like, AB was also shite in that last series. Sure. Is it a point of saying to the protest, we can actually maybe win without AB? Because these guys come back and then you, that's your captain as well. The guy who's in and out. He, he's your captain. Yeah. Is it not maybe saying like taking a guy like Dean Elgar, maybe not your, this is more test cricket we're talking here. Okay. And as a coach to say, right, we need a nucleus of guys that I know I can bank on 10 out of 10 times. The other guys, we can maybe interlink them here and there. It's not got to the stage now as, as well with SA Rugby is saying, right, we can't depend on these kind of guys, but I need a, I need a unit. I need a unit that we can work on and get better and better and better. And if other guys come in, we can slot them in, but we need a nucleus here. Cause I feel we haven't got that anymore. Our nucleus is reputation players. Right. And, and, and cricket's such a tough one, especially in this country. And you mentioned, you mentioned our rugby. There are youngsters coming through in the rugby and, and there are exciting teams and exciting partnerships, but it's because our, Domestic, you know, the, the feeder league, which is super rugby, because that is still well supported and, and, and well funded and, and players play for that team and they don't play three months in, in England and then two months in France and then come back for a test in South Africa and then play for the domestic team. There, there's a proper structure. If South African cricket needs to have, you know, in, in English test cricket is doing well because their, their domestic league is, is solid and you have a guy who plays for the whole season and there's no this chopping and changing. And I just, I, something, Needs, needs to happen and unfortunately it needs, to, it's, it's the rand that needs to, that needs yeah. to improve. We need, we need to be able to keep our cricketers here that AB can go and play. I mean, who does he play for? He plays for the Titans. I mean, when was the last time AB played a, a four day game for, for his, for his franchise? And when was the last time he, he lit up a, a domestic tournament here? And it's just that the, the, the problem is that South African cricket finds itself in a situation where we can't keep our players in this country. But we can't alienate them for playing in other leagues because mm. because we can't keep them here. So, yes, as much as we'd like to keep them here, we can't enforce that. Otherwise, we we do run the risk of becoming a West Indies. And I, I just think that it's just a bit of a sad situation as a South African fan. It is, but I think one of the variables we're not going to change is that Rand. Um, I think England's the one example where they can keep players. Cricket Australia as well can do it to a certain degree. Right. Um, you know, India was, as well. India, well, India owns cricket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually watched an interview recently with um, Stuart Broad and James Anderson, and they were saying, you know, the faith that the ECB has shown in you guys and keeping you domestically uh, based and that kind of stuff has it had a huge impact in your careers. And you think of it and go, well, hang on a second, yes. Oh, yeah, of course, absolutely sure. huge because these two have been able to. They're basically guaranteed selection in their team, right? I mean, mm. Anderson's the biggest wicket taker. Broad's their best bowler, I think, by quite a while. Right. We'll probably overtake no, Anderson at one stage. Number one test, test bowler. Um, and it is. And it's, but that's the luxury they have. Now, we've got to find out what our next luxury is. And we've gone completely off topic here because this has nothing to do with Stuart Lancaster. <laughs> that's all right. Sorry, I, I got ahead of myself there. No, 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 no. That's, that's all right. So what, what, well, what needs to happen is, is there needs to be incentive to play in this country. And Yes, the Rand can't compete with the, with the pound, but we still managed to keep enough rugby players here and we still managed to get enough bums and seats and, and our, our competition with, with, you know, New Zealand and Australia and Super Rugby 
it does it, it does entice people to want to stay here and and, the, and and you can see it in the quality i if i had the answer i would be finding cricket south africa now i mean like this is how you can keep guys here and this is how you can fuel the domestic the domestic cricket but right now i mean I, I'm a cricket fan and, and I'm not interested in, in the, in the domestic cricket. I, I, you know, I'll read the results because I'm, I'm curious to know who's scoring runs and taking wickets. But as a spectacle, it's, it's just not exciting. And, you know, they tried it with the Ram Slam to jazz it up, but it, it's almost like we're trying to play their game. You know, we, we're trying to replicate a, a model that works when you can fill Eden Gardens with 90,000 people or the Big Bash or, or, or entice, you know, people in England. And I, I, I just feel like, we need to kind of make domestic cricket sexy again, and and it just isn't. But look, just, just taking a slightly different tact here with the um, with the coaches, right? And if you look at the Euros, which is a big thing right now. Look at Iceland. Um, all the jokes about there being more volcanoes than players, that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> like, and you you really consider how many players do you actually really need to make like something really special at an international level? So let's just go on to um, the box, okay? So how many rookie players do we actually really need? to make a good box side. I don't think it's thousands. Right. It can't be thousands, right? And where I'm going with this is that, now, getting back to your original point, Lancaster passed the baton, so to speak, to Eddie Jones, and there was information exchange there because coaches are becoming progressive and they're being sort of like players. Mm. You know, you'd never hear people wanting to head out a coach. They would headhunt uh, a fly half or a flank or whatever, sure, but never a coach. So it needs to get to the point, I think, as well, where coaches need to look at their careers like players. Mm. You need to start pretty early. The, um, uni- uh, the, the governing bodies need to incentivize this. You need to know that you can make quite a lot of money in coaching, and you can you all over the world. You can be a free agent, okay, just mm-hmm. like players. And by doing this, you're creating something quite dynamic as a as a craft, so to speak. Now, I think that is the first port of call we're looking at this. We can't compute the players. Players are going to leave. That's it. Last week, there was a big thing about 45 players currently in Super Rugby will be in Europe next year. Wow. Europe or Japan. Okay. We can't do anything against that. No. We will fight against Thunder all we want. We can blame Jacob Zuma about the Rand. That's a reality. They're gone, okay? But so what? They've gone. Look at any other field in life, okay? If you're a really good accountant, you get an offer in London. You go. Right. What's your family going to do? Sure. Call you a us for going overseas. You will go. Right. But there's other people who can fill your job. I believe there's still other... Obviously, you don't want to lose your best players. You can't just replicate Bismarck Duplessis. You can't just create another young Johan Kursen. Right. It's out there, but it's not something we can bank on. So is it not about just being able to use our resources a hell of a lot better? So and, when, that, and that's something we need to focus on as a as a broad big picture plan. Are you are you saying a shift of focus from, from player development to coaching development? Stop crapping on about the fact that we're losing players and crying over the spilt milk about that. And we can actually maybe tr- turn that around as a positive in that those guys will go over there. They'll get skills. They might even come back. Bonus, right? Absolute bonus. Yeah. But then we've got all this other young talent coming through, which is an emphasis on then creating more from them. Well, I, I can't I can't speak for Saru, um, but I'm, I'm sure they, they have a model. But I, I spoke to Kuri Fonzel, um for an article, I think maybe end of last year, about coaching development in cricket South Africa. And, and that is something that they are addressing. They they know that they can't keep players here. But if, if there is a tangible pipeline that can fund a professional career in, in cricket coaching, that is a way to address it. The problem is that it comes down to funds. Because if you a young cricket coach and you need to be in the system you you don't make half as much money as as if you become just some private coach who just puts feeds balls into a bowling machine for yeah. for rich kids in Sanson. i mean they they once again it's 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 how do you incentivize 
people staying within the structures that I'm going to start at Mini Bakers, go through the academy, maybe get like an area cricket team, maybe Gauteng development, work up to under 19, blah, 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 you know, along the tangible pipeline. The problem is incentivizing people to stay. Same as the, as the, you can't, we, we struggle to incentivize players to stay in the country. We, we, we struggle to incentivize coaches to stay in coaching because they can earn more money getting a, getting a degree or, you know, a, a BSc or whatever the case is. So, it's it's not that the coaches aren't there. It's how do we keep them in coaching? And and, and it just once keep, again comes down to keep funds. Keep them evolving. Because that's another thing is that like a lot of coaches believe that they, they're all their own masters. They all know exactly what they're doing. But right. it, it needs to be like players. You know, you look at yourself. I'm coaching this level because I'm at this level. I need to get to that level. And yeah, like, but I just think that there's not enough. You never see stories about coaching. You never see discussions about coaching. You never see people getting irate about coaching development. Right. So maybe, maybe it's, it's also maybe down to the media. You know, maybe we need to kind of, fo- instead of just focusing on the, on the, the top level coaching, is he succeeding or failing? As, as we speak of, of young players, I mean, if you open up SA Rugby magazine, there'll be a young high school kid who's, um, you know, the player to watch of the month. Maybe there should, there should be something along. This is the coach that's doing something at a school out and out in the sticks who's, who's taken a team and developing them well and, you know, kind of advertise them. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a, a portal of a, of a, of a coaching group, but maybe that's something to look into. You know, I think, I think you're right. I think trying to keep the players here is going to be difficult because if you're a good player, yeah, it's you, like herding cats. But I think we can tackle the problem of keeping coaches in coaching. And if the coaches leave, that's fine. They, they, they're, they're a coach and if, if they, if they get an offer to go overseas, like, like you said with the players, we can't keep them here. But keeping coaches in coaching is such an important thing. And, and, and I, I'd, I'd love to know how, how the guys are doing it. It's a great point. And then as you're saying, you know, if you're going to get guys in the profile here, they can share insights. That's another thing with, it's, Using the example of England rugby right now, I think we can learn a lot about success. And mm. it, like, there's nothing hugely interesting going on there. It's just people are being smart. And the, the whole, you know, um, in, information exchange between Lancaster and, and, and Jones, you started the show with, that could be happening w- within the unions. It could be happening all over the place. It could be happening different levels. And, um, yeah, maybe we should be bringing it to the fore more as media. Right. And, and the, the thing with the, the, the thing about passing the bats and, and coaching transition, I mean, you look at, you look at New Zealand rugby and how, how all their teams are, are, are centrally contracted and, and you just know that there's a, a big dialogue happening between the coaches and, and with the head, with the head coach of New Zealand. And it, it would be great to see that in South Africa that, I mean, I, I don't know what Alistair's doing, but I would love or, to. Or what he can do. Or what he can do, exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, the one thing that, that, that Lancaster told me was how uh, there's, there's a reluctance for coaches to share information because, for all we know, Lancaster could become the next coach of Ireland, for example. Now, all of a sudden, he's Eddie Jones' rival. Fair point. But he shared a lot of information and coaching structures and plans for developments and, and uh, you know, talent pathways and all the rest. But now he's just shared a whole lot of information with a rival. I mean, you can understand why coaches are reluctant to do it. But when it comes to the good of the team, I mean, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. It just takes a level of maturity for someone to actually do it. Yeah, for the good of the sport. Well, Butti is uh, sharing some insights with us on WeChat. I'm sorry I don't often get the messages. I get a bit zoned into what's going on here. I forget to read these things. So Butti was saying that, um, firstly, he's pissed off how the Proteus players are again doing well in the useless uh, T20 league. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we addressed that. He says, screw Russell Domingo. Corey Fonsell was sacked just before the England tour of 2012 when Gary Kirsten took over. I think Butti with that one, because there was such a natural successor in Gary Kirsten, they probably didn't feel too bad about sacking uh, Fonsell, 
although that said, I think anyone outside of Russell Domingo is a better successor. I think there's definitely someone out there that could do something. Uh, to the point of making that a captain, someone maybe isn't the star player. He's also saying that, uh, former S under 19 captain Aiden Markram maybe should be considered for this because Graham Smith was thrown in there at the age of 22. Yeah. He worked out all right. Yeah, like there's so many different ways to do it, but I think we've got to have these dialogues that just keep carrying on. Uh, Taylor says Dale Stan should retire from ODIs and T20s because he wouldn't feel, um, he wouldn't feel it. Huh? He wouldn't feel it because he wouldn't have played so many months doing this. Bite the bullet with AB now as well. They didn't become a T20 whore. <laughs> we'll be much better off than questioning his future after every series. Like Talon's also made a good point. Something I didn't actually mention I was going to is that you can have these superstars, but you got to look at like the cons of it as well. Taylor makes a good point. After every series, you're asking the same question. Is this AB's last season? Yeah. Beginning every season, you got to ask the question, was Dale dropped or is he rested? Right. So as great as these players are in potential, and we have lost them to many things, they are disrupting the national side as well. Look, I think I think having AB in the, in the team always makes your team better. I think it's not a case of do we get rid of AB or do we keep him? It's a case of we need to get AB to wake up and, and just feel that passion for South African cricket that he did truthfully that he had before, before that New Zealand loss when that he's, he, you can, you can see he's been a different person after. I mean, the whole yeah. team has been different because that really you totally felt, understand why as well. Yeah. You can understand why. So, so then it's, it's up, it's up to Corey Fonsell. It's up to Russell Domingo. It's up to the cricket, you know, maybe the public as well and, and everyone who's, who's a stakeholder in, in cricket South Africa to, to make this guy want to play as, as well as he can. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, Dan, we have to cut it off there. I've got a whole bunch of headlines to get through. I'm going to go to an ad break now, which Duncan's going to be instrumental in. Um, anything else to look forward to on the site this week? Yep. As, um, as I said, uh, I interviewed the former chief negotiator for the FBI who's got such an incredible story to tell. And he's, we've linked FBI negotiation, hostage negotiation with sports, which, um, which we we're quite proud of. So go check it out on conquersports.com. Um, we're on Twitter and Facebook. So check us out there. Cool, Dan. Thanks so much. Look forward to another big feature. I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's better that we have just a general chat from time to time. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I enjoy them. Thank you very much. Because th- there's so many different things here, and um, it's another great thing is that we can learn so much from international sport. Yeah, this is the thing. Like none of SS problems are truly unique. I know we always think they are because of the whole political thing, uh, the racial quotas, uh, transformation, demographics, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, success is success. Huh? Right, it's about being better than the team you're playing against. Exactly, and and there's there's so many lessons to learn from outside of sports, and and within and, and, and how people are doing it and yeah well I look forward to learning a hell of a lot more with you Dan thank you very much enjoy it cheers cheers man I am a South African I carry the hopes and dreams of my country and the generations to come I know that it's not where I come from but where I'm going to that really matters at Sibanye we believe the future of our country will be defined by our actions today which is why we are committed to the development of our leaders. Sibanye, we are one. Visit us on sibanyegold.co.za. Welcome back to The Bunch Show. Into the second half we go. And wow, there is just so much to catch up on. I haven't got any other guests for you today. Uh, tomorrow, oh, sorry, next week, I'll, I'll be sure to have many to talk about some current sport. But, you know, the weekend ahead, like, sorry, the weekend behind us, so much on the go. But it started off with uh, Claude from Arsenal Fan TV. You remember Claude, right? I mean, I don't, I just don't, I don't understand. Yeah, Claude, you remember him. So, uh, he went missing 
he, he, firstly, he's a real person, okay? If you actually want to find Claude in the real world on Twitter, he's at Gunner Claude. So that's G-O-O-N-E-R-C-L-A-U-D-E. Gunner Claude. His real name is Claudio Caligari or something. He's kind of Italian. And uh, he went missing. And I don't know what's going on here. He's, he's lost the plot. He's, he's completely lost the plot. He said on, sat- on Sunday, he said after that game, he said we was full of commitment, full of... But what, does he take us fans as fucking idiots? Does he take us, the fans, as idiots? When- so Claude went onto Twitter. Eventually he was found. And uh, he was gone for like two days. Like the police were involved and he was completely missing. People were saying, you know, find Claude. And he just said he's got a lot of shit in the go at the moment, none of which involves Twitter. And uh, and he said, thank you for all your, all your, all your, your messages. But then I, I dug it a little deeper. And I found out that Claude's probably the most trolled guy on Twitter. People are, a lot of people hate him. He gets like death threats and people threaten to drowning him in the Thames. And it's quite rough because even though we, we like Claude as like, you know, he's the face of Arsenal fans. Not idiots, are we? No. Face and voice. Idiots. We can see it. We can see what's going on. You know, he's like the fans fan kind of guy. You know, we all love Claude. But apparently there's a whole other faction of Arsenal supporters that hate him. And then they were saying, oh, you know, you're a big attention-seeking whore. And then he came out on Twitter and then he said, look, I didn't call the cops into this. I didn't ask for any of this. It's all you people who are blowing this out of proportion. I've got some shit in my life I'm trying to deal with. Leave me alone. Respect my privacy. And that was Claude. So thankfully, Claude is back. He'll live to fight another day. Uh, but speaking of Arsenal, now they've signed someone. Now, we all know, if you're Arsenal fan or not, you all know that someone someone needs to be thrown into the attack positions there. They need to strike it desperately. There was talk of Vardy pre-Euro 26, and then uh, Vardy's conscience got the better of him, so he just re-signed for Leicester. And, um, yeah, well, Man United have signed Bailey, um, Mkhitaryan, I'm pretty sure I've pronounced that badly and they signed uh, Ibrahimovic already so Jose Mourinho has been there for three days he's probably signed three people um, Austin Wenger well he's signed Takuma Asano now Takuma Asano (laughs) sounds a lot like Akuna Matata but uh, he was the J-League rookie last year so Man United all the other big teams in the English Premier League are signing big players. Arsene Wenger has gone and signed a J-League rookie. Now, he either knows something that we definitely don't know, or this is him just basically, well, not spending money again. So it's uh, Claude even, as she tweeted it, now that I follow him on Twitter, I get his insights, you know, straight off the bat. And he even said, okay, well, I suppose that's, that's solved the whole striker conundrum. So Arsene is not making popular decisions, and the league hasn't even started yet. There is so much to get into with those guys. Another job that's kind of, um, well, obviously England got knocked out last week. They lost to Iceland, and that was interesting, and we all enjoyed that. But then uh, Roy Hodgson, straight away, he did the un-Russell Domingo thing, and he he resigned. So uh, throughout um, the Euros, and uh, Eric Cantona is someone that we all really enjoy, right? He's a, he's a shoot-from-the-hip kind of guy. He was prolific as a footballer. He's got insights coming out of every orifice. And he's been saying quite a lot of stuff over the Euros. It's very interesting. There's a whole bunch of clips on YouTube around him. But I wanted to play this one today because it actually addresses the whole thing of the English manager. Now, I jokingly said, like, on Twitter, I would love to have this job because the pay is very high. The expectation must be really, really low. These guys don't even go anywhere in cup competitions. They basically go there with a bit of hype and then they fizzle out and everyone laughs because that's what English football is about. That's what English sport is mostly about. Uh, cricket and rugby have flashed their brilliance every now and again. So Eric Cantona has actually been saying, well, you know what? How about I get the job? And you've got to think, like, 
why should why shouldn't they go left field and pick someone who's very eccentric, maybe an ex player, someone who's really going to shake up all of this? Like Glenn Hoddle was saying that you know this team at the moment they're a bunch of pricks with headphones, no one communicates with each other, no one talks, they just go through the motions because they know they're still going to get picked, they're still going to make millions every single year. So Eric Cantona might just be the dude who could shake all of this up. So here he is speaking frankly about this. <laughs> Shirtless too. An expected exit from Europe, quickly followed by a resignation, is truly has repeated itself in England in the last few days. Shame, humiliation, worst day in the history. Strong words. The Federation is already on the hunt for the new manager of their national team, and they say this. We will be looking for the best person for the job, and not necessarily the best Englishman. I heard the call. It's why today, the self-appointed commissioner of football declares his candidacy. Here is my pledge. I, Eric Antona, potential future manager of England, promise never to lose against a small frozen island where the goalkeeper is a movie director and the assistant coach is a dentist. I, Eric Antona, future manager of England, <laughs> will pray the gods of football to end the curse of the English goalkeeper. I, manager of England, will ask the giant Harry Kane not to eat the crucial free kick or corner kicks, but to go at the end of it for the header. Especially if it's to eat this free kick to the moon. I, manager of England, will not speak during matches with my hand on my mouth as if, number one, I have a big secret that the rest of the world cannot know. Number two, I am rapping some lines with my voice. Number three, I have a several case of bad breath. And number four, all of the above. I, manager of England, ensure you that I have the right pedigrees for the job. I am born in 1966. The year England won the World Cup. The only one. I, <laughs> manager of England, will never criticize Wayne Rooney unless he transfers to another club. So it goes on and on like this. I'll I'll post the, the video up for you. So if you miss anything through the show every week, just go onto the bounce.co.za and the entire show will be there with all the clips, all the info, all the guests, all that kind of stuff. But it's a good call here because who else have you who else have you got? I mean, I don't know if Kent's not actually seriously wants this job. He's just making making fun of what is a very easy fun making topic. But Glenn Hoddle has been has been rumored to also be a candidate. Now Glenn Hoddle was the manager back in the late nineties, right? Right up until he basically said disabled people are disabled because they were evil in a previous life now i don't know if you ever really bounce back from that i know he's a tv pundit now for england and uh he's in in the mix and he's sure he knows football and he could be a, an asset to the to the job but you, i don't know <laughs> you can't be harsh on, on handicapped people I mean, come on uh other other exciting stuff from the weekend um just prior to the weekend actually there was uh Wimbledon, like, it's one of those tournaments, even if you don't like tennis, you kind of watch it because, well, firstly, the girls look a lot sexier in white dresses. Uh, Wimbledon's always lots of fun, very animated crowds. It's a hard and fast game because you're on grass. But it's also one of those games where, I don't know what happens, but in Wimbledon, player tensions seem to get up a lot. You know, either Krigoros is getting in, in cuck. McEnroe was always really very, very, um, uh, animated at, at Wimbledon. And now this other guy, this angry Victor Troiki. 
Okay, I don't know if you saw this last week, but listen to this guy. He absolutely loses his shit here after losing the game. Well, in the process of losing the game too. This is uh, his opponent serving right now. Game's not well poised for Troy King. The ball has been called out. Victor does not believe this. He's now showing the umpire the ball. He then hits the ball into like another court. He's trying to. What are you doing? You, did you did you see the ball? You're so bad. Okay, so game set match. He just loses a five setter. Okay, so he's going to be upset. But he just feels this ref is the worst in the entire world. And now even with the game finished, he just carries on. Ever, do you know what you did? Do you know what you did? Do you know what you did? You're horrible! Okay, umpire's now called security because Victor's still in his face. Now, you know to call that, right? One, please! One, please! Do you know what you did? In one moment, do you know what you did? Well, then you're an idiot. Uh, sorry, but then you're an idiot. Sorry. Sorry, I have to cut. What? You saw the ball and I showed you the ball. It's out. It was like this out. I didn't see that way. But you didn't see anything today. You didn't see anything today. Do you know? Are you aware of that? You made 30 mistakes. Not for me. For him also. It does beg the question, though, when you got a match, and uh, I don't know if you can clarify this to me, but if you got a match in one of those outside courts, do you still get the, the Hawkeye? So, I mean, Victor was going on about the fact this ball was out and there was all kinds of mistakes. We know in center court and court number one in the big matches that we see t- televised that you get reviews, and if you don't like something, you can refer it. Uh, I don't know if that happens in the smaller courts here. If it didn't, maybe Victor would still be in. But either way, I think he did slash that guy's tires. And if anything, Victor should be on a, on a criminal watch list. This guy does not seem stable whatsoever. Speaking of um, reviews, the DRS system has been uh, kind of relooked. So you know how it works in cricket at the moment. So you get a wicket and generally it always gets referred because the game is stagnating around this kind of stuff. And then they show all kinds of camera angles and then they show the Hawkeye and then they show, depending on the budget of the hosting country, various angles of how they can prove the decision right. It's a very long drawn out process. It kind of goes along like this. The impact has to be outside the line of the stumps or it has to miss the stumps. Pitching in line. I think this might be out because that one turned. Basically, the commentators then crap on about like what's likely had to happen and blah, blah, blah. And then you see the ball going back and forth like a bad meme. It's like a real long, drawn-out process. It's going to go on and uh, hit the leg stump. Pitched in line. Maybe outside the line, but hit him in line. That's the key. 
it's kind of come part of the game now. Okay, so basically, how the, what the rules are is that if you if the umpire umpire's call is a is a key thing here, right? So if the umpire says it's not out, and then you review it, it needs, the ball needs to do something very special in order to be out. So what that means is that more than half of the ball must be touching, or half of the ball must be touching um, the stumps. If you're looking for an LBW, right? So when it goes down to that and it's clipping the stump or clipping the bales, it goes to umpire's call and the batsman is not out. But now, as of the 1st of October, if the ball is not hitting the outside of the stumps or the bale, you can be given out on the umpire's decision, which is quite something. And uh, it's just good that they are kind of looking to address this this DRS system. But as it's shown in a in a clip I just played for you now, Pakistan versus Sri Lanka. Again, this clip will be on the on the blog post. Every now and again, I think this DRS camera angles just go completely out of, out of kilter. In this particular match, this ball was going very much onto the stumps. You could see it. It's a low, slow turning pitch. It's not really doing a hell of a lot. But when they play the DRS, the thing bounced like two meters. It is going to go and hit the stumps. That's the key. Oh, it's bounced over it. Can't believe that. It looked plumb to me. But look at the bounce. So anyway, a plum LBW decision on DRS uh, somehow took an extra sort of 10 inches on a bounce and they missed the stumps by a long way. So yeah, DRS is a work in progress. Engl- uh, India don't want it. They think it's crap. So as much as I do applaud the fact that they are taking a new decision, a new way of uh, ad- adapting this, there's still some big issues going on here. Uh, just on the Euros, though, we didn't get through the results very quickly. We're running out of time now. But uh, yeah, fascinating quarterfinals, wasn't it? Portugal 5-3 over Poland on penalties after regulation play finished 1-1. Wales were the absolute stars, thrashing Belgium 3-1. And this is a good Belgian side. This is the side that say, you know, golden era, they're going to come good here. They played very well in that last last round of 16. Uh, they actually played very well in their group after they lost to Italy. Anyway, Wales dicked them 3-1. Germany, Italy. When our Italy fans, I can only, my, my commiserations are with you. This is the Italian side that didn't, didn't come into this tournament with a lot of hype around them. There wasn't a lot of experience. The very few star players, but wow, they played well. And uh, they took Germany all the way to the penalties. Now Germany, forget about the stupid FIFA rankings where Belgium has somehow been the top five for like ever. Um, Germany won one end of regulation time. I still think it's the best team in the world right now. They are the defending world champs, obviously. And uh, unfortunately, got down to the penalties. And Italy were terrible at penalties. So were Germany. But Germany was slightly less crap. I mean, there was like 18 penalty kicks to finally get a winner. 6-5 it was for Germany. Seven misses in total. And uh, yeah, so France will now play Germany because France thrashed Iceland, which is a big shame. Iceland added so much to this tournament, but you just know they weren't going to go anywhere too far. Uh, they got through that last 16. But one thing that will be missed from Iceland is their thunderclap. Now, this is after every game, the team goes in front of the, the spectators and they all have this big clap. But it's quite something here. And this isn't this just like so Viking? The thunderclap is something that Iceland has given the world of football. Which, when you watch that show Vikings on History Channel, that's kind of how that what that happens before they rape and pillage villages too. Well, good for them and good for sport for a team like that to come out of nowhere and just do so well. And uh, even more embarrassment for England actually, because then they got absolutely thrashed in the last in the quarterfinals. So your semi-finals are going to be on Wednesday. You've got Belgium versus sorry, Belgium, Portugal versus Wales, and then Thursday we'll see France versus Germany. 
Uh, massive weekend for golf as well because there was the Paris, sorry, the French Open. Now, there was double Ryder Cup points available there for the European uh, Tour players because Ryder Cup is obviously a big deal. It's going to happen in September. What made it even more interesting is that 2018, when Europe hosts the Ryder Cup, it'll take place on the course that they play this tournament on. Now, it spent most of last year basically under construction as they changed it in preparation for the Ryder Cup of 2018. And uh, all of all of Europe's top players, essentially, except for Shane Lowry, um, Sergio Garcia, Justin Rose, they they weren't there. Roy McIlroy is there, a whole bunch of other guys too. And uh, unfortunately for all of them, they couldn't do it. Nope, Thailand's Tong Chai Jadi, he won, uh, I think, four strokes in the end. So comprehensive victory for the Thai guy. And what a, what a cool champion he is. This guy couldn't speak English. He had no idea what cold weather was when he got into the European tour. And now look at him. He's addressing the media. Top 30 in the world. Such a superstar. On the other side of the Atlantic, Dustin Johnson's going from strength to strength. Here is a golfing power on the move now. Now, if you look at, uh, Johnson prior, prior to winning the US Open, right? He came close in quite a few majors. He was close in the, in the US, um, Open on a few occasions he actually threw it threw me away terribly especially the one at Pebble Beach when McDowell won it uh, he missed a playoff at the USPGA uh, by a dodgy ruling of grinding his club in a waste bunker and then at the Open itself he had his chances here's a guy with so much ridiculous natural ability just won the US Open and this weekend he just won the WGC event as well would it be fair to say he's the favorite going into the Open now at Troon? Well, I don't know. I don't know how anyone can actually redispute that right now. Jordan Spieth's doing all right. He's there, thereabouts, but you know he knows he's got some issues with his game. Whether it be he's playing too slowly, a bit too pedantic, McElroy putter is too cold. Uh, Jason Day he could also be running out of steam. So if you want to get a better now, Dustin Johnson is a favorite. I reckon it's a money man. I really do. And we'll get more into that next week with our golf experts. But look out for that, Dustin Johnson. This dude onto really really good things that's unfortunately all the time we got for this week uh we won't get into super Rugby. we'll get into that next week there's two ro- two rounds to go basically uh all you need to know is the lines are fantastic the chiefs are also very very good um and the sharks are disappointing and they keep losing players the storm was a fun but they ultimately won't go anywhere and uh essentially new zealand team will win it um, that is Super Rugby in 30 seconds. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bounce for more sport during the week and go on to the Bounce Series today for more ed- editions of the Bounce Show along with all the clips that I've used. And before my mouth goes too dry, for everything else, day to day, right here, cliffcentral.com, 6.30 a.m. and listen live on the Gareth Cliff Show. You get my daily sports updates, which is my pride and joy. All my hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. 10, ten minutes of daily sport every single day. Gareth Cliff Show right here. Cliffcentral.com. Oh, that's it. I'm spent. Thank you to my guest, Dan, from Conquer Sports. Catch you back next week. This is cliffcentral.com.